Hey everybody, welcome to Beg Broadcast episode number 293. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is The List, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out February 24th, 2016. And then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week, we're going to be taking a look back at some of the comic books that came out in the month of January 2016. Uh, we're a little bit late on this because we got pushed back a little bit with holidays and our top 10 DC stories. But hey, we're going to get to them. Yeah. And uh, we're, next week, we'll be talking about one of the highest rated uh, Marvel stories of all time, which is the Dark Phoenix Saga. And that'll lead us right into our top 10 Marvel stories of all time. To start up the month of March. Does that mean you got to read Dark Phoenix Saga? Yeah, you got to read that. It's, for, it's my pick for the, the trading policy. Man, because yeah. after that, we're going to be doing February look back, and then yeah. that's going to head us into, like, movie bracket? The movie bracket, yeah. So Man, we are planned out. I don't think we're going to be able to do a comic book craze, comic book creator craze this year. No, we got to. We got to? Oh, we, we, have, we, to. we have to. Basically, have to. It might just be back-to-back brackets. Yeah. Back-to-brackets. Yeah. Woo! Oh. You oh. know what? To get me through all this stuff, is is I'm going to need to drink quite a bit uh, just to power through. And Paul and I are drinking a beer from Sam Adams. Sam Adams has put out three different variety of nitro-canned uh, beers, and we are drinking the Nitro White Ale. Um, this is like a 5.5%. And it is a wheat ale brewed with spices and spice added. So, wait, you, you said it's a wheat ale? It is a white ale. Oh, white ale. Not I, a I think, I, think okay. I said wheat. Oh, wheat. Okay, I thought you said weak because, you know, not much to it. It's very light. It's very light. It's not bad, though. Yeah, it's a nice... It, because it's a nitro, it's a nice creamy. It's very smooth. It's creamy. It's um, just... There's nothing really stand out about mm. this, but it is a nice drinking beer. Like, yeah. I, I don't really have any faults with it. Other than it's... Other than, like, it lacking some big punch of flavor. Yeah, some flavor. But, but I don't any flavor. I don't mind it at all. It's I, I'm kind of feeling like the old lady from uh, the Wendy's commercial asking where's the flavor instead of where's the beef because I'm not finding anything here. It's got a little bit you of a have floral. A, you have a cold though. I'm yeah. I do get flavor on this. Like it does have a nice taste. Okay. It's enjoy. It's an enjoyable drink. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I'm just saying it's it's there. I'm drinking it because it's a liquid, and I'm supposed to drink plenty of liquids. Keep, keep your liquids up. <laughs> yeah, can I keep my liquids up? Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, I have three beers from a brewery I hadn't heard of before. Um, and this is from Fish Brewing Company, and this is the Beyond the Pale Pale Ale. Oh, a lot of people love this brewery. I, I'm driving around the city all the time, and people have the little fish symbol on the back of their car. Uh, it must yes. be because of this brewery, right? So, yeah, I or the band. not because... I mean, right off the bat, I mean, it's a pale ale, so there's really not a lot to it. Oh. Um, it's one of the better pales that I've had recently. I mean, not that I actually go, like, searching them out or anything, but it's it's not bad. It's drinkable. Um, but I basically got this one because they had three different beers there from this brewery, and I was like, oh, well, I might as well just grab one of each to try. So I did. Mm. It can't hurt. And that's, and that's how you wind up with beers that you're like, eh. 
Oh, so that's the first of the. Eh. Do you think any of the other two will? The other two will turn it around, or have you already? Uh, spoiler warning: tasted these before. Oh, uh, I've. I did a craft your own six pack, so I got two of each just to like drink that day as I was uh-huh. doing some writing, and then uh, ones for the show. They get better, guys. Okay, <laughs> so the pale, bad. So it's the the pale. I'm basically going to go in order of how much I like them, and I just want to get the pale out of the way first. Pale, not so good. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. You know what's always good? Fresh news from the week. Fresh news. And you know what John loved as a little kid? What did John love as a little kid? Deadpool? High C Ecto Cooler. Oh! Uh, it's coming back. This is the... What flavor is it? It's a Mandarin it's like Orange, a, yeah, right? Yeah, like Mandarin Orange. Uh, this will be coming back probably because Ghostbusters comes out this summer, and it's a great mm-hmm. way to tie these things back in. Uh, but this will be coming back out um, in the next couple months. We should be seeing it, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I enjoyed Ecto Cooler a lot when I was younger, and it hung around a long time. Yeah, yeah. It, it lasted longer than – remember back when we were growing up, there was always the uh, cereal tie-in for everything? Right now there's Batman Superman cereal. Really? Is there? Oh, my god! And it's just – it's one's Batman, one's – uh, Superman. What's this Batman flavor? Why like didn't we chocolate. talk about this? Like chocolate. Tastes, tastes like justice. <laughs> <laughs> Superman tastes like a tears of a dying planet. No, it tastes like truth. Oh, truth. Mm, nice. Very truth. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, I've, I've honestly I never had Ecto Cooler. What? Yeah, I never drank High C. Well, what? My yeah. parents never bought it. For me, but I'd get it somehow here or there. I've had it and You're, I loved it. I think I mean, it's possible that I might have had it, like, but I don't ever recall. So if I ever did have it, it was maybe just like one random juice box. This know? is this is what's horrible when you guys didn't hang out with the McGowans back during the day. Oh, should have hung out with us. Uh, Actor cooler stream from fountains like milk and honey. Was, I don't want to say she was like a health nut, but I she packed my lunches and they were like quote-unquote healthier so she would only buy me like 100 percent juice wow and since high c was mostly just sugar oh it's and water sugar. Uh-huh. with flavor like that one i didn't get it well it's also a lot more it's a lot cheaper than that 100 percent juice yeah. for 100 percent kids uh when you have four kids running around in a household you know you get 25 percent juice for 24 or 100 percent of your kids so so that way yeah, none of them is getting all the juice. I'm an adult now, though, so I drink whatever I want. I'm yeah, gonna yeah. fill up on high C until I die. <laughs> high C, uh, Ector Coolers pairs well with ants on a log. That's all I remember. <laughs> get some celery sticks, get some peanut butter, get some raisins, and some Ecto Cooler. You got yourself a picnic out on the front porch. A great pairing there. Right after school. It it, it probably says it on the side of the box, too. Like, pairs well with ants on a log, peanut butter and crackers. (laughs) Yep. Well, why do you think we would have uh, Future Wife? They're they're not that rich that they'd have PB&Js for snacks. For snacks after school, you know? Snack after school, ants on a log. Um, speaking about like food stuff, I saw a commercial on um, Nickelodeon the other night because I was watching the Splat. Because why not? Um, there's like a new Lunchables like taco in a bag thing, and they give you like a one eight hundred number at the end of the commercial to call if you need help like operating your taco in a bag. So I called it. <laughs> 
Okay. I'm that guy that, like, whenever I see, like, a 1-800 number on, like, a TV show or a commercial or something that's, you know, obviously... A joke? Fake. I have to call it or go to that website. Um, Yeah, I forget what the phone number was. I don't want to, like, give it just in case I'm wrong. Let me pull up my recent... Oh, your recent phone uh, history here. Because it was like one eight five five nine two nine eight two two six. I think when you spell it out, it's like one eight five five yay taco. Oh, yay taco! Uh, so yeah, if you if you're bored and you know don't have anything better to do, call that. Like I did at like four o'clock in the morning watching Roundhouse. Uh, and what did they tell you? Uh, I basically- <laughs> pour the taco in the bag. <laughs> It's basically it. It's like, f- like eat it with the spork that's provided. Like it's it's there's, all very tongue in cheek. There's four four of these uh, lunchables uploaded snacks. There's barbecue chicken wing walking taco, beef walking taco, chili pie recipe walking ta- walking taco, and nacho walking taco. Hmm. There you go. Interesting. Nacho meets taco meets delicious. Which is kind of redundant because nacho alone is delicious. Yeah, taco alone I, is I delicious. feel like nachos meeting tacos basically just the same thing, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Just how you prepare it; it's the same stuff. And and what you uh, chase it down with if you don't have an ecto cooler, mm-hmm. uh, which might be a beer. And a uh, little beer news here: um, Victory Brewing Company and Southern Tier Brewing Company are going to be uniting to form. One company, which is the first time, really, like these smaller breweries have formed a new company. Uh, we've seen a lot of big companies buying out little companies, um, but these two companies coming together are going to be called uh, are going to be under a parent company called Artisanal Brewing Ventures, or ABV for short. Uh, I'm glad that the uh, acronym is there. Because otherwise, I'm like, oh, that's a really generic sounding parent holding company name. Yeah, I think I, it's definitely done for a it's purpose. A, yeah, it's a backronism where they had the acronym, the acronym that they wanted, and they just backed into it. They're like, okay, how do we make this work? Artisanal Beer Ventures, ABV. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. Southern mm-hmm. Tier is in our backyard. Um, it's a, one of our go-to breweries here, and uh, it's great that they're kind of coming together. They're going to be the two of them together are going to have over eight hundred thousand barrel um, release this year of beer. And right. I think I forget how much, how many gallons are in a barrel. I think it's like fifteen gallons to a barrel. Okay, but what so you're doing this math to compare to what? Just how much? How many gallons? Like, because you say eight hundred, eight hundred thousand barrels, right? Do you know how much beer that is? No, I think it's fifteen gallons to a barrel. Okay, I need that in football field terms. I how d- many football fields full of beer is that? I don't know. How big is a football field? A hundred. I need yards. to know how many stones does it weigh? Yeah. If if we were to fill empty out a blue whale and fill it with beer. Wait, how wait. much? How many blue whales could we fill with okay, beer? Okay, wait, I'm looking this up. I'm I need how, many, how many ecto-cooler cartons is it? I'm, yeah! I'm typing this up. That I'm, would... I'm hitting search, and oh, look, it just gave me the middle finger. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so basically it's oh. saying, uh, uh, fuck you. 
If you lined it up, how far would it take to get to the moon? Yes. Uh, if you drank enough of it, you would think you were on the moon. I might only be able to do like one barrel. <laughs> uh, but I, I need to know how much is in that barrel first, though. Mm-hmm. I think this is something really great. How I'd many love... gas cans could a barrel fill? I'd love to I'm see. Not dropping this now, just so you know. I'd love to see more companies either coming into this fold with them, or their one eight hundred number that Chris can call. <laughs> <laughs> He'll call it. I will. I've already dedicated myself to. He's it. already yeah. he's already done it once. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I'd also like to see smaller breweries do this with other breweries because I mean, Victory is. I want to say it's a California. Brewery. I thought that no, Victory's up in uh, it, well, it could be a Californian, but it's also Massachusetts. up in Massachusetts because we were going to visit their brewery in Boston. Okay, yeah, then they must be in Massachusetts, yeah, but they can I, have I more Googled, than one brewery. I googled it while you were um, discussing the logistics of where they were located, and a half barrel is fifteen point five gallons. Okay, or one hundred twenty-four pints. Uh, founded in uh, Downington, Pennsylvania. Huh. Oh, so they're probably real close with them yeah. being down in Jamestown. <laughs> 124 pints would be 165 12-ounce bottles, or oh. a full keg. Or mm. that's also equaling 50 liters. So there you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Didn't give me a middle finger when I searched it, yeah. John. <laughs> Your, oh, your, so I, your I, Google Chrome applications are I, weird. Sorry, you remember like I was looking for uh, how much beer in a blue whale. <laughs> oh, okay. That's uh, I think you just need to figure out how big a blue whale is. <laughs> big. Well, let me dial this 1-800 number. <laughs> John, you're a dick. <laughs> me? I'm the dick? Hold up a mirror to your face, sir. You'll see a dick. Well, that's only because he drew a dick on his mirror. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> or he's got yeah. a dick face. Speaking yeah, of other uh, things that people are looking at or watching, Deadpool's made a lot of money. Yeah, I'm talking about dick jokes. Hey, it's the rated R, and yeah, it's made a, a ton of money. Uh, opening weekend, it made one hundred and thirty-two million dollars. A blue whale size amount of money. how much of that money could fit into a blue whale? All uh, of it. All of that money could fit into a blue whale pretty easily. How much does a blue whale cost? Would you basically be getting your money back? No. No. Uh, protected species, you're not allowed to buy a blue whale. Mm. So you you have to play... Where in the world can I buy a blue whale? Black market. On the black market. Is Japan. It be, is it going to be dead or the, alive? Uh, probably dead. Because mm. uh, there's no real way to I wouldn't want to keep my money in that, then. No. Well, you know, you just have to get Geppetto to go get it. Still a live whale. Mm-hmm. You send Geppetto in to get the money. He's, He's already made Jonah. He knows how to get out of it. He's already done it a couple times. Yeah, but why would I put my money into a dead whale and then hire a, a guy to go get my money? Why would I just not put it? No, in it's a, bank? a live whale. You said it would be Is dead. It, does putting well, money in a whale kill it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. You can't buy a blue whale unless it's on the black market. You don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> Might be alive, might be dead. Might be alive the first day you buy it, and then you might is be it, come back, and it might be a dead parrot. For dead whale sales. Uh, did no. anybody? Else, I saw. Uh, I saw it with future wife uh, for Valentine's Day. Anyone else get to see uh, Deadpool? No, I I haven't seen it yet. I'd I'd like to, but I just haven't had the 
the chance to. It was good. Future Wife is giving her review uh, visually here, and it's... She might be talking she, about her grapefruit beer. Uh, maybe the grapefruit beer is great. Maybe Ryan Reynolds says uh, Deadpool is great. Maybe both are great. We don't know. It wasn't a green suit. It wasn't a green suit, and it wasn't animated, so it was great. Uh, no, it was a lot of fun. It's exactly what you would want from this. Um, I did see – did you guys see that uh, James Gunn came out to say that Hollywood's going to get the wrong idea about rated R movies now? Because this I, did, movie, I did see that. Uh, they tried – no, because if Hollywood was going to get the – already got the wrong idea about R-rated comedies with The Hangover, remember? And then – a bunch of comedies like like Bridesmaid made sure that it got its R rating, and they really like stress for a little while there, get the R ratings, and then and yeah, that's, but that's, that's, that's what he's saying though is we're now since Deadpool's done so well and like it before with Guardians of the Galaxy while it wasn't R rated, it's like these yeah. weird like quirky like over the top kind of comic book movies are they, they've made the the impact and now he feels like other companies are going to try to do this as well but they're not going to put the care into it mm-hmm. it's just going to be like hey how many dick jokes can we throw into a superhero movie right yeah but which is true like you you just see like these guys i think they just see money sign mm-hmm. in the eyes and they're not gonna the reason this movie succeeded was because the people attached and involved in it spent years trying to get it made because they love that character and they want to bring that character to life. Mm-hmm. And you see that in the feature. Like, yeah. that movie holds true to anything I ever thought about Deadpool from what I've read in the comic books. And everything about it just came true. Like, it's exactly what it knows exactly what it's supposed to be, what it's doing, and it accomplished both of those mm-hmm. things. I think if there's a lesson to be learned from Deadpool, it's a lesson that people needed to learn from the Iron Man movies, which is people want a fun, loving uh, superhero. Somebody that's having fun with being a superhero. And, and yes, you would think that. Yeah. But this is not studio executives. Studio executives say, hey, that movie was rated R, it was comic book, it did well, we'll do that again. What, what, uh, what IP can we buy up for cheap? And then we'll and then we'll take a shit on it and not do it right and have rewrites and do everything wrong with it. Well, do we have to worry about that from Marvel Studios? No. Okay. The only produ- people really producing really good superhero movies right now. Well, what you're going to get is something that a market that everybody is already saying is oversaturated with comic book movies yeah. is now going to have an influx of bad rated R comic book movies. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that will be the breaking point for this for the superhero genre overall. I think so. Okay. In some sense of the word, yeah. Because we we've been looking for that breaking point. I, you know, when Guardians of the Galaxy did so well, I'm like, I don't think anything can bring this down now. I give you less for some it's reason. It's okay. I don't need more. I'm coming off a cold. But, um, it's one of these movies where, yeah, hopefully the people that control these IPs need to do exactly that. And that's control the IP and make sure that they make... Uh, they, they put the investment in that that's already there because the IPs lasted for so long. I think Deadpool was cheap enough, and mm-hmm. they even said they can do Deadpool 2 with a small budget and have the yeah. studios stay out of it. 
Um, I think the budget was small enough and the people had worked so hard to have everything ready for this that they accomplished their goals with this movie. I don't think other, you know, titles who are going to get bought up and aren't going to work out as well as Deadpool did. It's made more money than all other X-Men movies so far. Which is good. Yeah. hundred and, well, $235 million. So, it's number 17 on uh, Box Office Mojo so far uh, for comic book adaptations. Superhero, number 17. Superhero origin movie, number 6. Already. I think that's what I had for news. Chris, I know you got some big news to bring. Uh, yeah, we actually got a little bit of clarification of what's going to be happening over at DC Comics with their uh, long-teased rebirth messages. Um, we're getting what looks to be a soft reboot slash rebranding of the entire line of DC Comics. Mm. Um, this is actually being spearheaded by creative officer Jeff Johns. Uh, this isn't an editorial directed thing. So, um, unlike past events that they've had, Jim Lee and Dan Didio are kind of taking a back seat on this one. Um, we're going to be getting brand new number ones across the board. Some titles are going away. Some are getting retitled. And then in the case of two, namely Detective Comics and Superman, they're going back to the original numbering. Yep. Number uh, 957 for Action Comics and number 934 for Detective Comics. Which I, I think is cool. Um, yeah. And I don't know if you guys watched the video. You can find it online if you just search um, Jeff John's Rebirth. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of him just talking about what the project's going to be and how this is kind of the successor to what he did over at Green Lantern Rebirth and then the Flash Rebirth, where it was looking at what happened before what people loved about those characters, what worked, and not just updating it and bringing it to the current, but having it be something that's going to be built off of in the future. Um, And that's what we're going to be getting from this whole Rebirth initiative, which I'm a little bit more excited about this now that they've discussed it a little bit more. Um, Also, hey, Nightwing's coming back, which is pretty cool. Yeah, as Nightwing. I I almost feel like everything that's happening with Dick Grayson in um, the Titans book and in uh, Batman Eternal gives it that sense that Nightwing, this is all building for Nightwing to come back. Right. In our uh, 2016 look forward, like I I mentioned this, like they they were grooming him and He's, he's coming back, which I'm excited for. But a lot of other cool things coming out of this. Um, new Green Lantern books. Uh, we're getting Birds of Prey backs with um, Huntress, Batgirl, and Black Canary. Uh, Legion of Superhero books. Justice Society's coming back. Good. Um, so, <laughs> Sorry. So there you go. Like... There's I just don't like the Earth stuff. 2, guys. I, I, You know, this new DC... The Earth 2 DC, I've tried. I've tried. It's not... You gave it more of a try than I did. It's not It's not my Justice Society. Well, it's not no, Justice Society. Yeah, it isn't. But that's they're going to be trying to bring the legacy back to mm-hmm. the new 52. And also... Because uh, that's what's been lacking. Another main point is uh, keeping the line at two ninety nine again. Yeah, that was a, a big thing, too, where they're... Uh, scaling back on that price and i think that's going to be a huge motivator for people to check these books out too not just the fact that you're going to be getting 
different takes from creative teams that haven't actually even been announced yet, but it's going to be a little bit more accessible of a price point. I think so too, because I think they've, but they're going to be shipping twice monthly on uh, 26 of the titles. Yeah. So, um, I don't have like the list in front of me because I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, but yeah, some books will be shipping twice (laughs) monthly. Um, it's, not a lot of stuff. I mean, you have like your Green Lantern, your Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, and they're only um, going like to be Cyborg. producing like thirty-six or thirty-two titles total. So they're stepping away from the fifty-two mark, you know, which that. I'm okay with. Like, if I, you're putting out good books more times a month, mm-hmm. I'm all right with that. Versus lots of books that are like middling. Mm-hmm. And on the heels of our last episode, where I said I'm not buying any books from right. DC. This is a great getting back into the things that I love about like superhero comic books because I yeah. haven't really had that in a long time. So no, I'm very looking forward to this. Um, and the 2.99 price is what I was going to say was Marvel has really been pushing that double shipping at 3.99, 4.99. Yeah, like they've been pushing the limits to get people to buy their books for almost five dollars an issue, yeah. and I think. With this, you know, DC might get a lot of people to turn their heads and go like, hey, why am I paying this money on this Marvel book when I can maybe try out something new and I'm not getting what I want out of this book, and but I'm still paying the price. Mm-hmm. And something that I was thinking about with this, too, is since making the jump to completely digital, not only have I changed how I buy my books, but also when. Because now, since I don't have to go to the store every week to get my books, and if I don't get there... I might miss it. I can buy it whenever I want on digital, but now I just know like I can wait and pick things up later, and it's going to be a lot cheaper. Um, yeah. Like a, I kind of slept on, issue. I, I kind of slept on picking up Batgirl and Titans Hunt, um, Black Canary. It's all stuff that I was interested in, but I didn't pick it up when it came out. And here I am, like you know, four or five months later from some of those books, and I can buy them for one ninety nine an issue, mm-hmm. which. I, I wouldn't have been able to do that at an actual comic book store. And it also kind of sold it to me as where, hey, now I don't need to buy everything as soon as it comes out because I'm okay with going into the back catalog and buying things. Two ninety nine, that's probably gonna get my attention a little bit more than three ninety nine, where I'll have to get that book when it comes out. Yeah. Yeah, there's no waiting waiting a month to buy the book when Mm-hmm. It's getting you're getting it for the price you were getting it on sale at, uh, if not a little less. But <clears throat> I think this is really good, and, and I feel like this is that turning the page of DC to get back to where we want our DC to uh-huh. be. And I think scaling back just a little bit. I think they know they're a little bit of an underdog because. They tried something, they got a big jump in the beginning, but it's tapered off because they're not giving people what they want. You know, they're giving people what they think they need, and I think the readership has dropped off because they're not giving the people what they want. Well, and that was a big thing that came out of the Comics Pro Retailer Summit that happened this weekend, where it's basically the comic book companies go... And they can talk to retailers about what they have happening, what's going on, what's going to happen. Um, it's basically like a forum for the retailers then to give their feedback. 
And that was kind of one of the biggest complaints that people had to DC was you're out of touch with what your readership wants now. And it's, it's hurting you at this point because they're continuing to lose market share from Marvel again. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a, it's a, a really smart move on their part. Um, did you, did you guys see, I think it was IDW put out a banner that said like, no, no rebirths, no gimmicks, just good comics. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, they kind of a dig at both Marvel and DC here. Yeah, but they don't. IDW really doesn't have a, you know, Transformers. I think they do GI Joe. Like, I right, mean, they right. Have, but they don't have a shared <laughs> universe. You know what I'm saying? It's not a shared universe where they do crossover events. They have done gimmicks before because they had that huge crossover between uh, G.I. Joe and G.I. Transformers. Transformers Ghostbusters like they all showed up uh, so and I'm, I'm going to be talking about spoiler alert uh, a crossover event that IDW is doing uh, starting this week oh yeah, yeah. is that the Hickman thing no oh. um, did we have any other news I think uh, that was about it no yeah. well just Kojima and uh, Del Toro promising everybody that they will be working together very soon uh, with uh, because Kojima left uh, Konami and he started up his own productions, Kojima Productions, and he's they had a sit down like press conference together in uh, Las Vegas, and Del Toro was there and uh, Kojima was there and just talking about what they liked about both of their productions and what they do and. Kojima was like, man, when uh, Psycho Mantis like, was reading stuff off my uh, <laughs> PlayStation, it literally scared me. It was creepy. I loved it. Like, uh, so, our, yeah, Del Toro said that about Kojima's video Gimbal game. Gimbal Del Toro needs to stop doing things like this and just make all the movies that he's attached to. <laughs> how, about, how about that? Stop he's, showing up places to talk about things and just make it happen. But it's in Las Vegas, and have you seen that guy? He loves the free buffets. Oh, come on! He, he likes the buffets. I don't think he's got time to go to a free buffet. <laughs> he's he's got to make this. He's got time for somebody to feed him a Big Mac while he's writing and mm-hmm. producing and attaching his name to hey, things. Aren't you? Get, wouldn't you be excited to see these two work together on a video game? Oh yeah! Like if I could get, I mean, if I could get a Silent Hill from the two of those guys, that'd be awesome. If I can get some other type of horror game. From them, it would be amazing. I just, I just want my haunted mansion movie. <laughs> <laughs> I want my Justice League Dark. Yeah. All right. So, are we ready to get into our next beer? Yeah. yeah. All right, Chris. What are you drinking, bud? Uh, my next one from um, which I'm gonna call it Fish Brewing Company is their Vicious Circle Amber Ale. Um, <clears throat> Amber Ale is usually like their you know, I mean, they're drinkable, like nothing great. Uh, this is actually an amber that I will probably like pick up again. Like this is a great, nice, like little bit of multi sweetness on it. W- wonderful, just awesome porch beer. Um, I-, I want more of this one in my life, actually. Nice. I forget. I forget what I rated it at on on tap when I had the first time. Um, but yeah, I I really dig this one. It's got sharks on the label, too. And, Ooh. You know, sharks are cool. Love sharks. Ah. Uh, John and I are uh, drinking 
a Otter's Creek brewery. Trying to get more of these Otter Creeks in us. Uh, it's the steam pipe, not the Steve a steam Steve uh, stove top stove stove, stove who's, who's steam pipe? Roof. This is steam pipe, and this is the California uh, an uncommon Cali style common. Okay, which is a. Uh, Steam and you you described this during dinner a little bit. Uh, yeah, uh, a, a Cali Common would be basically a steam lager. Uh, when brewing lagers, um, they usually are brewed, are always brewed cold. Uh, with a steam lager, it was kind of America's first big ingenuity into beer. This is was brewed in California while they were building towns and settlements. They didn't have the ability to cool things down, so they created this new system and this new beer style of basically a lager but brewed with steam and hot versus cold. And that's where you get this Cali Common, um, something that we had recently, like the 2X Steam. Which was delicious. Uh, uh, Anch- our, uh, Anchor Steam. Mm-hmm. Anchor Steam is probably one of the oldest breweries still doing that steam-style beer. Um, so... This is something that I never got to catch on, like in our area, because it's a lot like a lager, but it has a it has a good pop. It's got a nice pop to it. Yeah, yeah. I really like this beer. I held on to not drinking all of them to save and drink with you, Paul. This is this is really enjoyable, and I missed the two X steam. Like when it wasn't out this year, I was like, "Come on, really?" That was my summer go to beer that the first year was out. Um, but this has got. I mean, it. Has this kind of lager or even like kind of a pilsner quality to them in the front end, but that pop at the end, that that almost pale pale ale, almost a pale ale kind of thing, uh, but it's a lager. But it does it it has its own uniqueness yeah. to it. Um, no, I really really like this mm-hmm. beer. Like I probably will pick up a little bit more of this. And like you said, like this is a great lawn mowing beer. Or yeah. Or just summer wait, beer. I can't wait for the spring and summer so I could, you know, have the weather to drink this. I feel like that's a lot of stuff from Otter Creek besides the uh, Russian Imperial. Like a lot of their stuff just tends to be like that lighter flavor. The the new head brewer who I mean, like they've changed their whole labeling system and what they're all about. Like that's that yeah. new brewer style. Because I mean, even like the steam pipe, it looks like. It looks like what you would smoke marijuana out of. Like it looks like a yeah. They're going that three Floyds kind of. Well, that's three. Uh, what's that brewery that is just all about the pot stuff? I don't remember. Is it, it's not three Floyds. It's uh. I, th- I think it might have been three Floyds. Is it? No, it's three Floyds like isn't like real pot oriented. But that's it's that guy's three heads. Three heads. Yeah. yeah three, heads, three heads. Yeah. But that's that guy's kind of style. Like all the labeling now has like his van on it, mm-hmm. or it has it shows a picture of a hippie looking dude. That's him. He's that hippie looking dude. Like that's with his dog and that van. Yeah, yeah. Like that's him, and he's he brought Otter Creek to us. Like I love Otter Creek. I buy any new thing from them, and I try it and. 90% of the time I like it as I hold okay, up yeah. the bottle of steam pipe and say I want to drink more of this. I like their white ale, mm-hmm. their IPA, their double IPA, all that new all their new stuff. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh Couch Surfer, their port- The first time I had a session ale that I really liked was their session. Yeah. So I don't know. I I don't mm-hmm. mind the new logo, the new branding, any of that. 
I mean, he's also the guy that brought us that Russian Imperial. I like the old labeling of the Russian Imperial. Well, well. It was more generic. Well, it was very propaganda for the Russian Imperial, but their old labeling was a really generic. At least this stands out a little bit more. I'm not a big fan of how it's standing out or why it's standing out, but it's not as generic. No. Yeah. Because if you were to hand me a bottle of uh, like EBC back in the day and a bottle of Otter Creek back in the day, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. You know, you would be like, oh, it's the same brewery. But, Paul, what is standing out for comic books this week for you? Oh, that's a good question. And like I said, it's an IDW project, and it's Street Fighter Cross G.I. Joe, number one of six. <laughs> this one just seems fun. Uh on a hidden island in international waters, 16 combatants enter a secret tournament. One that pits the Street Fighters versus G.I. Joe. So, ever, like, M. Bison and Destro have joined forces, John, and have trapped. I, I think the Snake Eyes there. If he can do a Hadouken, he <laughs> should be able to win. Oh, maybe. But we got the world's finest warriors. We got Ryo, Snake Eyes, Guile, Scarlet, Chung Lee, and Duke all facing off in a, in a karate championship. <laughs> <door. laughs> this is so you, stupid. I love it. <laughs> it's just, you, I was just going to be like, are you really going to buy in this? <laughs> it's, it's written by uh, Aubrey Sisterton. Assist, sister. Sin. I thought you were like, Aubrey's sister. <laughs> Aubrey. Like, oh, who's Aubrey and Sitter- who's sister? Sitterson. And uh, art by e- Emilio uh, Lassio. Cover art, like, Mike Chow. As, as a Street Fighter fan and a comic book fan, I bought a lot of the actual Street Fighter comic books. And, like, I've always enjoyed them. Like, they weren't the best reads ever, but I always like getting that little bit of background story for what happens in that loosely tied together, like, tournament thing because there's no actual story to that so it's fun seeing what's actually supposed to be like being told <laughs> like going from match to match yeah it's it's uh, kind of like the masters of karate series that aired back on when i was a kid. <laughs> your favorite <laughs> it was one uh, of the best shows ever on saturday mornings it's i i like these kind of comic books i would gladly read something like this um and, and appreciate it for what it what it is. Uh, but here's the thing with IDW. Guess what the price point is? Four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, I'll pick up this one. But if this one doesn't yeah. do it for me, I'm done oh, with IDW. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I can tell you it won't. No. <laughs> but you know what? It'll be something fun to kind of like read and then just like talk about for a look back or like, oh my god, it's ridiculous. Oh, this might become the dramatic reading from for oh, all yeah. my picks from now on. <laughs> How far? It, how far into the first issue do you think it's going to be for them to, like, offer Guile a spot on G.I. Joe? Oh, so quick. Like, right off the bat, right? Yeah, yeah. you see him in a cam- uh, It's him and Cammy that are going to get offered G.I. Joe spots. So someone's going to see his, like, American flag tattoo, uh-huh. and that's basically going to be it. Oh, Macho Man is going to come right <laughs> up. Macho Man? Yeah, he was always in the cartoons at the very end. Sergeant Slaughter, oh, dude. Sergeant Slaughter. Why are they macho, man? Oh, I get them all confused. <laughs> they they both wear aviators. That's yeah. okay. It happens. <laughs> Chris, what are you looking forward to, bud? Um, this is actually like a really light week for me again. I mean, the past couple of weeks there hasn't been anything really new new to grab me, but 
I'm okay with that because it lets me just enjoy one of my standbys. And that's actually going to be Slashing Ant-Man number five. Excuse me, I just had the hiccup. Oh, I'm still here. Just oh, yeah, just like yeah. Yep. Um, this is written by Nick Spencer, art by Annapola Martello. Um, different artists stepping out of the book, but I'm okay with that. Ant Man's still fun. I love this book. Keep it going. Cool. Uh, and I'm uh, looking forward to a book that was, I think, like five or six months ago. We look at in a look back. And this is going to be Karnak number two. Number Ooh. two is finally coming out. Uh, written by Warren Ellis, art by Geraldo Zafini. And um, we're going to pick up where we left off with Karnak, which was like going into a warehouse to kill a bunch of dudes. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think he was trying I to find a kid. <sighs> Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, he was then as like the negotiator. Something I don't remember. It was months ago. It was, it was, long, it was a long. And I remember time ago. it was the better of the Inhumans books. So I was surprised by it. It was the best. I'm gonna have to look that one up and reread it. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Oh, talking about readings. Now it's time for a bag and broadcast dramatic reading from. What, what book did I pick? <laughs> oh, Bill and, Ted, Bill and Ted, Go to Hell, number one, page one, panel three. Wait a second, I, I got a... <laughs> we yes, unpro- I am victorious. I have made the connection of the four. And that was Bagnum Boardcast, dramatic reading from Bill and Ted, Go to Hell, number one, page one. Panel three. Is that an IDW book as well? <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. Man, they've been getting my money. <laughs> Here's Gosh. my money. My name is Paul. Looks <laughs> fun, and it, it's the thing is, I keep on buying them, thinking this will be great to laugh at, and I should be laughing at myself for spending this money. You know, it's just stupid. Well, originally, um, it's boom. Oh, thank goodness Boom got Bill and Ted's that Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey was actually supposed to be called Bill and Ted Go to Hell. This And this is pretty fun. No, it starts off funny. It ends that way. Well, then why aren't we reviewing it, Paul? <laughs> it wasn't our kind of book. I'm... <laughs> We've read other books, like, yeah. that were spin-off of things. I mean, Escape from New York. Yeah. You, that one. You guys didn't read Daredevil? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I forgot about Daredevil. So uh, let's we can, get. We pop, or, I'm sorry, John. We can do Daredevil next month. <laughs> it's already two months. <laughs> like uh, it's already Titan like. Hunt came, Titan Hunt came out like three, four months ago, so it's okay. Oh, didn't realize. Yeah, Titan Hunt was that old. Yeah, I want to talk about it because it seems to be where they were uh, trying to direct. The rebirth. The they rebirth. Came out and in, hey, uh, guess what? Now it really is. Came out but in October. Before we jump over to that, I kind of wanted to uh, talk about a uh, licensed book because we have Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number zero from over at Boom Studios. Yeah. Uh, I was very excited when I saw this get picked up by you, Chris, because you know what? I really did enjoy that uh, that uh, YouTube video produced by the guy that produces a lot of the Taylor Swift music videos. 
it's I think it's it's the guy who produced co-produced um, Dirty Laundry, the yep. Punisher video, who actually produced the Judge Dredd movie that came out recently. He's a really weird dude. Yeah. Uh, it's okay that we don't know his name. Mm-hmm. But anyways, you enjoyed that video, Paul. Uh, and I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, uh, maybe this will Boom Studios or uh, this book will be a little like that. Uh, maybe get a little bit <laughs> of that uh, like science fiction-y kind of like near future with the Power Rangers afterwards. Nope. We're introduced. Nope, this, for- this is basically just what you know and mm-hmm. maybe loved from the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, TV show, but it, happening now. And this is this is the original one that aired in the '90s. That actually, I don't know about you, Paul, but I watched. I watched it uh, for the first two seasons. Yeah, me because too. it was. I was in fourth. We were in fourth grade. Yeah, we, we were, we were like at the tail end of being into something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, See, and no, oh. like this is, I'm. I'm making probably a blanket statement here, but this is the Power Rangers that mattered. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Like I feel like everything else that's like happened ever since then is more derivative and then just there to keep the franchise going because this is the Power Rangers that, like I said, you know and love. You know, it's the dinosaurs, Power- the Megazord. It's the Power Rangers that we know and love. Yeah. And when things started getting a little too much and we started getting too old, it just was kind of that kid show. Yeah, it's like right when they came out with the movie, I saw that in theaters. Me too. And I was like, "Oh, cool, they made a movie." And like after that, like I don't remember anything else Power Rangers related. Yeah, that one broke that that movie broke me. I'm like, "Oh, this isn't any good." Um, I think it was the second movie when the little kid was like the Red Ranger or the Blue Ranger. What? Yeah, see, I didn't see that one. That's I know that's the one where they had um, they were in like cars, so it was more like Voltron, right? I think so. I watched a while. I watched a little bit when, because in the movie Tommy became the White Ranger. I watched the, him as the White Ranger for a while. It was after like the Red Ranger switched from. There was like a switch up of half the characters. Hmm. I think the yellow, yellow, black, and red changed. Well, that was it. That they were changed. I think right after the movie. Maybe. Yeah, it might have happened like a little bit after the movie. Because it was after they like had different Zords then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was like the first change out, and I was like, okay. Yeah, because well, the suddenly movie they, they have a frog? In the movie, yeah. they got new ones. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, the Blue Ranger, was, or the Black Ranger, was the, it changed to the Asian kid. And the Yellow Ranger became a, a black woman. Uh-huh. And we had a new Red Ranger. Rocky. How do you remember his name? <laughs> I just remember Jason. Because... Because Rocky was the guy who betrayed them all in that video that we watched, right, the, right, right. the internet video, the YouTube video. Oh, I, I remember watching that. I don't remember anything from it. Never be as good as Jason. But yeah, uh, um, it's hard to say anything about this because I guess to Kyle Higgins, you know, praise, it reads just like an original Power Rangers episode, except it does have those updates, you know? Yeah. They have cell phones now. They, they, yeah, there was push notifications <laughs> warning them about the test that nobody but, else is but aware of. But here's the of. thing: is like they have like a Palm Pilot, like uh-huh. or a, a, a BlackBerry, yeah, so cell much. phone. So they're still behind the times somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, this does it reads like an like like an episode. But what I think is interesting and something that you can do in the comic book, but not really in the show, but is. This is kind of following Tommy, 
who it's right after he becomes an actual Power Ranger with them after he mm-hmm. was a bad guy, but he has uh, the witch, whatever her name is. Rita Repulsa. He has like a her on his shoulder telling him he's doing everything wrong or, mm-hmm. hey, why aren't you doing this? And that's what I thought was really the draw of this book was yeah. Tommy and conflict throughout this book because Tommy was my favorite character. Really? Yeah. Green Ranger was so cool. He's OP'd. He was overpowered. Oh, yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, he's just, he's the thing, the one guy that can beat everybody else. Well, like, he's got a flute knife that <laughs> and he was the only one that had dragon. armor. Yeah. It's like, ah. He was overpowered. There, there was enough to this that it, it made me look forward to reading it. Uh, um, I'll say, like, I, like, first couple pages, I loved it. Next couple pages, I was like, oh, this is kind of boring. Last couple pages, like, okay, that was good. Yeah. It's I, And also, he has Godzilla as his, cre- as his mech. Come on. Like, everybody else has this little animal, and he has Godzilla. I don't... How's that fair? I don't need the backup stories in this. No. I, see, the- I skimmed them. I think the backup stories kind of added a little bit more to it. Like, I feel like that gave me the added value. Um, I don't know the, the bulk and skull one. Well, that's um, before we get any further into it. Uh, the actual like main story. Uh, oh gosh, sorry, this is being difficult right now. I'm trying to see who drew it. It's um, Henry Perseda. Okay. It looks good. Like mm-hmm. they're able to pull off the look of the Power Rangers pretty decently. The monsters look like the anim- like weird rubber costume people that they had on the show. Um, comic books lend itself really well to you know bright Super Rangers like pulling off poses. Like it fits. Um, the actual like teenagers themselves, it's not the best art. No. Uh, and they don't look like that original cast, really. I mean, it just is okay. That's a Asian girl, and because it's drawn like that, or it's a black guy because they colored him that way. Like nothing really says like, oh, that's that guy from that show. I mean, Tommy, you know, it's Tommy because he's got like a little bit of long hair and he wears green. And he wears green. <laughs> um, but I think like the Megazord stuff and like the Dragonzord, it looks good. I mean, the Power Ranger. Costumes yeah. look good. I got a little confused in the drawing of like the tail doing the whip thing, yeah. and then and then hitting the bridge. I was like, "What is that big pipe doing?" Like that was a little odd for me. Um, but oh, then, see, I I, I got that because like it was doing this like drill move thing, and then it got pushed back. No. <laughs> There's something that happened on the show like all I, the time. So. I remember Rocky. You remember Drill Tail. <laughs> Uh, and then, like, a backup to that is The Ongoing Adventures of Balkan Skull, and that's written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by uh, Corin Ho- Howell. Howell? Um, and then, what time it's... is it by... Uh, do, you, do you know how to pronounce that name? Um, hold on. Is it was... Marjorie? I don't think I've ever had. Oh their... yeah, it, it's it's spelled different, but I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Marjorie. I was going to say like I I don't know what that is. 
uh, Marjorie Scott and Daniel uh, Bayless on art. Just to get those out of the way, those people doing that, and then we can talk about like Balkan Skull and stuff. Yeah, the the Balkan Skull one, it was, it's not needed, but like I said, it gives it a little bit extra value. Like, I feel okay with buying the Zero issue because I had two backups in it. Because if it was just that like main Power Ranger story, I would just would have been like, okay, I paid all that for like twelve pages. Can Not I, great. Can I say I thought the bulk of the skull was super long? It's only two pages. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was so long. It wasn't like bad, but I was uh-huh. like, that's a lot of bulk and skull. But no, it really wasn't. They just put well, a mean, lot it, in that. It did remind me of just like the actual show when they would. Yeah. Have Bulk and Skull doing like their stupid like crap in there. And, and they would be the stinger at the end of the yeah. episode. Yeah. It was one of those things like actually having like seen this in action, it reminded me of like Jimmy Olsen or not Jimmy Olsen, Bizarro. Alright, right. Like just the art style. Like it's more cartoony, it's definitely over the top. Um it it was fun. You know. Um I kinda wish the sh- uh rest of the issue had been more like the what time is it one because I just like the different look of that yeah I, I, I think that was I like the art in that like I think the most out of this book um, just the way it felt and the coloring everything was really nice in it but it it felt like a like an episode it felt like a, a mm-hmm. Power Rangers episode yeah and the what time is it just kind of gets right to the part of the episode you want to see where they're fighting Goldar, and then they, you know, call out the the Zords. Mm-hmm. Calling out the Zords. Calling out the Zords. No, I mean, I probably won't buy number one. I mean, it's if it's it was a, something I I picked up for just that nostalgia and something like different to talk about. You know, if it's a slow week, I might pick up number one. How slow a week? Like one book? Yeah, like one book. Two books? I bought, um, they had, uh, this week they had, um, Ed Brubaker sale. Uh huh. And it was like $4.99 for the first volume of Velvet. Hmm. Which I was like, oh, that's like a dollar more than the issue I'm buying this week. I only bought yeah. two things, so I was like, oh, this is yeah. perfect this week. Yeah, see, I mean, that's not bad. Like, this, yeah. it's not something I need to read anymore. Like, yeah, it might be cool to see, uh, you know what Tommy's going through, but I don't know. I don't need it. Yeah, I grew past these characters. It's like one of those things where I'm like, I don't, I don't have. I was reading it and I'm like, I don't have a relationship with any of these characters anymore. I really don't. I I don't. It but doesn't there, matter. There's really no characters there to have yeah. a relationship with before, though. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just it's nostalgia kind of a book. And I mean, Chris, I well, think that's it was, the thing. That's I guess that's what I'm more saying is that I. You don't have that nostalgia. For I, yeah, I guess not because I was. I, I remember watching it as a kid. I remember liking it, but like I said, like there's no connection there for me. So I'm like, eh, you know, what? I, I think I, I I'm feel it. like a little bit more in your boat. But Chris, I think it was like maybe. I mean, we were still living together when um, <laughs> the part of the game. What? We, we we are you talking about when we played the uh, Power Rangers game on Super Nintendo? We did play the. We did play that. Paul gave me that yeah. Super Nintendo game. Um, no, but we watched the movie together. We watched, like, Secret of the Ooze or whatever the Ooze yeah, one yeah, was. Yeah, the Ooze was. But yeah, it, 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 had, it had come up on... No, um, it was Ivan Ooze. Ivan Ooze, yeah, that's right. 
jeez. Uh, we had come up. Uh, it had come up like on Netflix, and you and I watched it together. And uh, I just remember watching it with you and being like, "It's not great, but man, I remember love. Wa- I loved watching that show. I watched it every day after school." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fun little Parks and Rec. A little bit of information. If you go to Disney's Hollywood Studios right now. They have a Planet Hollywood store on Sunset Boulevard, so you know, it's all Planet Hollywood merchandise. But they actually have the Yellow Ranger and the uh, Pink Rangers costumes from the movies in like the front doorway to kind of like entice you in. Nice. Okay, yeah, yeah. They look so bad, like they're so worn from time. They just look terrible. I'll send you guys a picture. No, yes, I, I think I've walked past it with you a couple times and. Well, Paul doesn't care, but I do, so please hey, send me a picture. I will. Next time I go Ooh, to multi. Hollywood Studios. Ooh, multi. Ooh. What a switch from the other two where you just drank. Can we take a pause? Because I'm going to finish Of course. And, uh, yeah, Paul, it does have a little bit of malt to it. Um, we are drinking Dirty, D-U-R-T-Y. This is a Mud Season Hoppy Brown Ale from... Another favorite of Paul and mine, Smutty Nose. Yes. This is 8.4%. It, it's taken me a few sips now just to get used to it with all that malt. Um, it still has that tight, like, brown ale bite at the back end. I'm getting, like, a sharpness there, you know, with and then a very light, lingering roast flavor on it. I like this beer a lot. I like the little bit of hop pop mm-hmm. to it. I like the roast. I like, I mean, there's a, a little bit of like a chocolatiness to it. And I get that. Like, it's on my tongue. It's just like. Yeah. I, and I'm drinking this way too fast because every sip makes me go, I need another sip. Mm-hmm. And I pop another sip and then I'm like, I need another sip. Uh, the only thing I have to double check is I think this is an item out of their variety 12 pack so it's not something you can just buy a six pack of but if you buy that variety pack from smutty nose you're gonna get a great drinking beer because you're gonna get the uh find a sky kind ipa you're you're, gonna get the you're gonna get the shoals pale ale which is probably one of my favorite pale ales and either the brown ale or their baltic porter i think it's their brown ale yeah so you're gonna get a hoppy brown ale and the regular brown ale their regular brown ale is really good. The one with the dog on it, the bl- yeah. uh, chocolate lab old, on it. Old right? brown ale or old brown dog, whatever it's yeah. called. Uh, so you're going to get a great variety pack out of that, uh, which makes me want to go pick up a variety pack <laughs> to get more of this beer and those other great drinking beers. Well, that's well and good, and I'm glad you like this one. I, I've heard from a previous source that uh, whatever beer that Chris is drinking is his favorite of the three that he's drinking today. Mm. Mm, but that's what it's me. It was a reliable source, close okay. to the situation, close to the I podcast. Think I said that. <laughs> think, um, and that the next like, one I have from a uh, Fish Brewing Company. This is Hodgson's Bitter End IPA. Um, it's not usually the kind of IPA that I like. This is a little bit more of that piney, like bitter hops, and it is like the citrusy floral hops, which I tend to like. It's the IPA um, you deserve. I think that's what they're telling me. Um, this isn't an IPA that I would like go to, but it's just like so different from the other ones that they had. Um, and it kind of caught me off guard cause I wasn't expecting it, even though it's called bitter end. Uh, 
I like it. I don't know enough about hops and hop profiles to know which one it is. Uh, I know I like Citra hops, and it's not that one. And you like uh, Scadia hops. Uh, you like the Century hops. Any hops that start with C, I think you'll like, Chris. I think that was the rule from yeah. the tasting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cascade's good. Century's good. Yeah, we did that nice... Uh, yeah. Who, uh, it's okay. You McKellar? Is that... Is that they, yeah, because it was like the one beer that they followed the same recipe, but they just substituted in the different hops for each one. I think that was McKellar. Because they do Maybe. funky, crazy things like that. Good um, for McKellar. Yeah, we grabbed so many of those different ones and tried them back to back to see which ones we liked. Mohawk. Yeah, I think Mohawk we like. Okay. Mohawk. I don't remember Chin Hook. Chin Hook you like. <laughs> saying no, names and saying I C. like it. Because with a C. Because with a C. It's good for him. <laughs> it begins with C. It's good for me. That's that's the rule. That's the hop rule. Yeah, uh, it only applies to hops. Um, yeah, it's it's a good IPA. That's not my normal style. Um, I would have to be in the mood for it. But yeah, there you go. Well, the thing that you never need to be in the mood for something that you're always excited about is a good Titan story. And uh, hopefully, this is a good Titan story with Titans Hunt number one. It's something that I'm always on the lookout for, and it's hard to find, I'm learning. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because, hey, we haven't actually had the Titans. Um, with the, the relaunch of the New 52, there's no Titans. Um, the Teen Titans we have now are like kind of the first of their kind, except for maybe if they weren't. And this is kind of what we started talking about a little bit ago, where DC's really trying to add in that legacy feel. And maybe there were Titans before and nobody remembers because people uh, that might have been on a Titans team like Dick Grayson and Roy Harper are being like visited by a precog <laughs> psychic. And then uh, we've got this weird Atlantean like appearing, killing people. But oh, that's Garth. Um, this is something that I was like really looking forward to, but I waited on picking up because it was just at that price point where I didn't want to put that money down for it. But, hey, for $1.99 to catch up, I'm I'm down for it. And, say, this first issue was a good hook. Um, this was written by Dan Abnett, who you might know from over at Marvel. He was integral in relaunching the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy over there. With uh, art on this issue by Geraldo Borges and Paolo Sequeira. Yeah, I, I also liked, uh, is this Dan Abnett? He said, yep. "Yeah, oh, yeah." He also did uh, Resurrection Man, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, Resurrection Man was very good uh, from the new DCU, and also previous to that, short lived. Yeah, you know, it's, some of those books were so good, and you know, from the launch relaunch of New DCU, that just didn't make it. And it's I Vampire, one of them as well. Uh, and here is a interesting book, but yeah, it, it is something that you have to have that connection with these characters to really enjoy it because it is all set up it's a book for us yeah these are not all of the titans that we wanted but titans that we have grown accustomed to have a connection to right and then you know like with the aqualad and dick grayson kind of fight you're like don't guys your friends <laughs> remember each other when are they gonna remember each other they don't by the way yeah, yeah. It, it it's going to be very reminiscent to another story that we're going to talk about, A Force Number One. <laughs> yeah, um, 
I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing actually how all this kind of comes together and how they do reintroduce the Titans to the new 52. Um, I will say spoilers, not that we're going to talk about the second issue, but the artwork on that one was just kind of lacking and it really took me out of the book. Um, mm. I enjoyed this first one here. I think it was a smart move kind of focusing more on um, Dick Grayson and Roy Harper, just because they are kind of those marquee characters that actually have had a book come out regularly in the new 52 and even like the pre new 52, if you want to call it that, um, I think those are probably the most recognizable characters that you could have in this Titans book. Um, well, yeah, you got you got Wonder Girl, which is um, um, Donna Cassie. Troy. Oh, Donna Troy, not Cassie yeah. Sandmark. No, okay. um, yeah, no, that's Donna Troy. That's kind of hanging out by that shack. Yeah, okay. she's the one in the cloak and everything. Uh-huh. And like she makes her like grand appearance at the end of number two there. And but. you and you got Roy Harper, Aqualad, Dick Grayson, Robin. But then there's three other characters who you don't know who they are. And you can I, kind of piece it together um, at the end when she opens up her filing cabinet. Or I, I should say when Lilith opens up her filing yeah. cabinet. So who's Lilith? Am I supposed to know, get that right well, away? or is that Lilith something? is one of like the late 90s um, like Titans. Okay. Like, like pre, like, no, I think she actually was in Young Justice. Um, she was one of the ones that bit the dust in like the Teen Titans Young Justice, like outside her graduation day kind of thing. Um, hey, talking about that, did you see uh, that the girl that played Super uh, Supergirl at Smallville is now going to play Indigo in the new Supergirl no, television show? For, uh, Indigo played a huge part in the you know graduation day. Um, so Brainiac obviously, kinda, like construct. the big the big beefy dude is Cave Boy. And then there's yeah. Harold, and then they have Hawk and Dove, too. Yeah. So is Harold the sound guy, the music guy? Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that's going to be the uh, the guy that's winning the award. It, if you go to the oh, last right. page, you can see like him on the right there. I kind of thought the gre- the girl with the, the red hair and the green dress was like Miss Martian. No, um, that's that would be Lil, because you can see her name on the, the door. Yeah. Um, she's the addiction counselor. I didn't yeah. know what. Yeah, I didn't know who Lilith was. No, if and, I should know or one not. One of those ones, like it's it's a some Titans deep cuts yeah. for those people that have been wanting mm-hmm. a Titans book. Yeah, this goes into the deep cut when he said, "Yeah, it's a 1990s character that <laughs> died <laughs> off," and I'm like, "Oh, nope, they're going real deep." All right, B side tracks here with these characters. Yes, yeah, um, I, I appreciate this book, and it was something like when I got to the end of it, I was like, "Okay, like I definitely see." that they're trying to reintroduce that. And now here we are months after the actual publication of this, where DC has announced that like, yeah, we're, we're trying to get back to those basics. So good on them. Like hopefully, uh, this winds up in a spot where I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm excited for more Titans and that kind of like, Oh, uh, they continue to drop the ball with it. I'm just very upset with her, uh, sorting, you know, style yeah, where, you know, she goes to T and then, you know, just every letter's in there. It's just... I honestly, I did notice that because it's not any kind of, yeah, like, alphabetical order, too. Her filing system needs some work. Well, it yeah. goes, like, it's... AC, Aqualad, Caveboy, and yeah, then... Yeah, but she's putting Speedy in front of yeah. Dove. Yeah, so... Or is she pulling Speedy out? She's full, pulling Speedy from Dove because she's going to meet with him a little later. Why is it not at the end? Like, yeah, it seems Robin. real. Like, everything else is in the right order except for Speedy. Yeah. Maybe because she... 
works with him a lot. She doesn't want to. I don't know. Yeah, she maybe well, she I just. Think just I think it's pure elsewhere. laziness on Lilith's because Lilith's part. Look at look at that where she would put that file with the three. You know, she's got the five tab system going right with those folders, but where she's pulling it out from, Speedy would be Kate hidden. Boy. It would be hidden from Kate because Kate Boy would be right in front of it. It would line of sight. You would miss it. Yeah, it's, it's very odd planning on her. She part. needs an intern. She does. She needs somebody to get in there and just help her I mean, with her she's filing. Got, she's got those crappy kids annoying everybody playing Twister in her office. Like, yeah, like everything about this is is just poor planning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did download uh, issue two. I haven't read it yet. Chris. John and Paul and Chris, office managers. <laughs> <laughs> We would be the worst <laughs> office managers because we'd also come by and like I would say like hey you can't have that there and then All like Chris people sandwiches and then Chris would walk by and be like hey you should probably have that there and then I'd come back and be like I told you you can't have that there and then Chris would come up and be like listen guy I thought we went over this you need to have that there and we would just do that all day to drive that person crazy <laughs> yeah because we would know we're doing it the thing oh, is yeah. Also, I would just be worried about if you're talking about a coffee cup, John. Never listen to John talking about where to put your coffee cup. He he doesn't know where to put it where he won't karate chop it. So don't trust him. <laughs> Nothing is safe. I have controlled my karate chops for years. Last you week. Keep, you keep last, saying that. Last I feel week. Like I've heard it since. Then, no, though. Paul's done it more than I have. I did it once, and it's been probably about three years since the last time I did it. Oh. Okay. I've. I've managed self-control. <laughs> you karate chop me all the time. Well, yeah, I karate chop you, future wife, because you don't listen. <laughs> That's horrible. Let's get into the next thing before we have to get HR manager down to talk to the office managers. <laughs> horrible. Uh, why, don't we, why don't we go with That's A-Force, horrible. gentlemen? A-Force. Hey. A-Force, number one. And this is the second A-Force number one that we've actually gotten within the past year. Because um, Marvel loves their number ones. They love they love their number ones, and they also... Marvel is really good about jumping on stuff that actually works and making it an ongoing book. Um, this is spinning out of Battle World, their uh, crossover event from last year. And this is written by G. Willow Wilson, one of our top writers last year. Yep. Uh, uh, from- by Jorge Molina. So, actually, the creative team that they had on the A-Force miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is telling the story of Singularity, one of the new characters that they introduced over in the A-Force miniseries, uh, actually coming into the Marvel Universe proper and kind of getting the band back together who hasn't been together before. Yeah, they've never been together, but she remembers it because, you know, she's... Well, she is a Singularity. Yeah. So she remembers the battle world world of... Arcadia? Yep. And uh, so she 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 awakens here in the new Marvel U. The all new, all different Marvel Oh, U. the all new, all different I, I Marvel U. I think that's U. what we, we're contractually obligated to call it. The all different, all new 616. Uh, and she, she's trying to find her friends. And as she does, she's being chased by an anti-matter monster. So she's bringing destruction along with her. I think this is a good way to bring a character from that battle world mm-hmm. into the new world that's created, which is still kind of the old world, but... Because mm-hmm. Marvel doesn't do resets. 
Um, but I think the following this singularity who's going from, you know, superhero to superhero. A very naive, very wide-eyed character. Very, yeah, very childlike. Mm-hmm. Um, who's coming through and saying like, oh, hey, don't you remember me? Nope. Okay. Hey, you, don't you remember me? Like she's touching base with all these characters to then have this group kind of come together to fight this thing together, and then you're going to have your A-Force. You know, of the five different characters that she talks about in the very beginning, we only are introduced to two of them here. Three of them. Yeah. Well, herself, Captain Marvel, Marvel. and She-Hulk. Medusa. Medusa. Oh, uh, Medusa shows up at the very end. You're right. Yeah. Well, it's just because of that new Adelan. Mm -hmm. And she destroyed a very expensive comm tower. Um, From what I've read with the other new series of... Inhuman stuff, mm-hmm. like Medusa is some like a character they could have like left out and made. I I didn't finish all of A Force in that Battle World stuff. I only read a couple of them, but it almost feels like Medusa would have been a character to leave out because she, I almost feel like she's got too much going on. It's like that Wolverine mm-hmm. syndrome. Well, how can she have two of her own series, be an X Men, and run a school? It's and- very easy for Medusa. You know why? Lockjaw. Oh, she okay. can get wherever she wants, whenever she wants. And her hair does most of the heavy yeah. lifting. Yeah, <laughs> very true. But you know, like, oh, this is going to be. It feels like this book is. The other characters don't realize how fun this book is supposed to be yet. Mm-hmm. Um, she Hulk was kind of more fun than the other, like, well, yeah, Captain Marvel and Medusa. But like the other characters don't realize this is supposed to be a fun book, and, and Medusa, Medusa's really the character that's got a lot on her plate that has no time for fun. Ain't got no time for this woman. If this is if this animal wants that's what, what I you say want. when I cry, shot Boom. my future wife. <laughs> it's horrible. Stop. Because Medusa's going to show up here, put shackles on you, and be like, she ain't got time for these kind of shenanigans. No time. No time. No, no time for shenanigans. No. Um, I have time for shenanigans, and I'm okay with spending that time actually reading this book. Um, with number two, we get the rest of the team together because um, Nico Minoru pops up in that one, and then so does Dazzler, and you get more of Captain Marvel in it as well. Um, so I, I think it's great that this book's kind of just like trucking along because something like uh, Spider-Woman – which, mm-hmm. Paul, are you keeping up on that one? Because I saw you were buying it. I'm buying it. I haven't read them all. It's gone on a little bit too long with the her. Yeah. At, like, the uh, like galactic hospital. Like, that's uh-huh. being infiltrated by the scrolls. Like, it's it's it a good story, but it maybe only needed two issues. It's a, it, but it's only on, like, issue four, though. Yes. But it's... And it's been four issues of her on the space station hospital trying to... The first one, though, is her just getting there. Yes. So it's only three. Yeah, but it's the Marvel decompression story. Yeah, so. it's that decompression. And, like, this... I, I'm so appreciative of the fact that they're they're giving you action, they're giving you fun. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I'm looking forward to picking up number three of. See, uh, with the Singularity character, she's just that a little too naive, a little too childlike, and just a little off-putting because of it. It's like Captain Marvel and Medusa. I think Medusa's right to kind of smack her around a little bit here. <laughs> just be like, hey, kid, no, you destroy, you running around like going to your quote-unquote friends here and bringing what? this monster along... Uh, you kind of have to own up to this. Uh, really, I think it's just Medusa, Medusa being a bitch. Well, I think if I'm, you look at it too, like if this was pound like, sign with Medusa, 
<laughs> I, I think if you were looking at um, the A Force as a scale, you would have Singularity on one end, and then you'd have Medusa on the complete opposite end. Mm-hmm. But then you actually have someone like um, She Hulk right in the middle. Like she's kind of like the balancing point of it. Okay. Like I think she's there to kind of keep the team together because everyone else is kind of on that polar opposite end of it. Okay, and I could see uh, Captain Marvel being a little bit more regimented, a little bit closer to Medusa, and then Nico being between She-Hulk and uh, Singularity. Yeah. All right. And then yeah. the, the Dazzler's somewhere in, like, between, I'd say, Captain Marvel and She-Hulk. Okay. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like this book. Um, the book looks it, good. It <laughs> looks great. Jorge Molina, like, the artwork, it's kind of what i like from Stuart eminence artwork where it's just like those like quick like rounded angles they give everything just like a really nice little flow to it um the colors just pop like <laughs> I, well, the I, co- I dig it like the colors pop but it also has a lot of like white to the pages which makes what is in color and what is not just the border it makes them like pop it makes them really mm-hmm. kind of the focal point of what's going on in each panel, and then each panel also, for the most part, breaks outside of the panel yeah. into that And light. that's a Stuart Eminem kind of quality, too, as well. And, I mean, it works. Everything about the book looks good. Layouts, I mean, it's all it's all really, really good. Um, the story, I felt like I was playing a little bit of catch-up because I hadn't read mm-hmm. all of A-Force, so well, I didn't I- even know who the you know Singularity was. But don't worry, kind nobody of, else does. You kind of yeah, under- exactly. you understand right away mm-hmm. what it is, what is going on here. But just, I mean, you're kind of in the same boat as Singularity. Like mm-hmm. you're you're following her, and you are basically her. You know who these characters are. They don't know who you are, kind of a thing. Yeah, uh, I, I I would say like you hit spot on. You're kind of on both ends of that because you can see where they're coming from. You can see where she's coming from. Because you, you don't know her, but you know these characters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not a bad issue. I would read two because you bought it, Chris. If it was up to me to buy it, I probably wouldn't buy issue number two. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. there enough. It, there wasn't enough for me to purchase two, but there is enough for me to read number two, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does. Um, but yeah, like, it's... There's nothing horrible about it. I think the art is, to me, the art is better than the story itself. Right. Okay. Yeah. I would agree because it's it's very light on story. It's more just a loose, tenuous plot to get everyone together. And then we'll have story after that. Uh, talking about story and something. Hey, is there anything that you've really missed from the Star Wars universe? Because for me, it's definitely been dirigibles. Definitely <laughs> missed dirigibles in the Star Wars. I, I really universe. thought you were going to say like political talk. Oh no, no, we got plenty of that in the prequels. But man, if I could get some blimps going, woo! <laughs> That's the second woo I did this episode. Uh, <laughs> call you nature boy. Or how about just characters that you know visually, and they just give them scars. Uh, <laughs> I just realized I didn't finish reading this all this book, and so I was just kind of thumbing through to get get the gist of what I missed. I just like a couple panels on the last page, couple pages. 
but I just saw like they have the guy that's flying the Millennium Falcon with Lando at the end of uh, oh okay. uh, Jedi, mm-hmm. and they have him in a picture like that. Wait, know? is this number one or is this number two? What? Are, which? Pa- which? Which? Did I start yeah. reading number two? You Did started I finish- reading number two. Okay, number two? I finished one and I started reading number two. <laughs> okay, Maybe that's what happened. Because I'm here. like, I don't recognize this book that yep. you're yep. like looking at at all. This is number two. And that's the why book I that was we're like, talking. Oh, I didn't finish it. The book that John isn't talking about that Chris and I are, of course, is uh, <laughs> Star Wars. Anakin How and Obi Wan, uh, issue one. You're so engrossed in it, you just kept going. Yeah, this uh, this is story uh, a story that happens before the Clone Wars really starts. It's right after the Phantom. Men- well, it's a few years after Phantom Menace. Um, Anakin is the Padawan for Obi Wan, and Anakin's at a crossroads right now where he's thinking about leaving the Jedi Order, and he's out with Obi Wan on what he thinks might be one of his last uh, missions. Uh, There was this distress call from a planet that lies outside of the Republic that has never been part of the Republic that now Obi-Wan and Anakin are going to go uh, and search out and see what's happening. And this is written by Charles Soule and Marco Cicchetto. On art. On art. Yeah, and um, this kind of answers one of my sticking points for the whole Han Solo was alive during like the Jedi reign. How does he not believe in the Force thing? By saying, the Outer Rim planets are so far from the Senate's control that they're just not policed. Like, yeah. That would basically be like no man's land or like wild space. Like That's the lawless West, pretty much. Uh, and it also, no one listening to this would know this, but we've had like big conversations about this <laughs> yeah. and we've like looked up online and tried to find out how many Jedi there were <laughs> at the end and this book says it says like 10,000 10,000 10, that's it out of yeah. out of trillions of people I, that is less than 1% uh, I, I still want to say like I, I feel like Han Solo growing up on Corellia which is one of like the core world should at least know of the Jedi because they would probably have some sort of presence there but I, I guess we'll find out whenever we wind up getting our Han Solo Star Wars anthology movie yeah, you might but never also, see one in action though also you got turkey necked like it, 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 you know, they're trying to figure it out too because they can't follow George Lucas's math when it comes to telling these stories mm-hmm. yeah he um, should have carried the one but he carried a two <laughs> weird I, uh, I so now say- we got a two it Based off of like what we have here with Obi-Wan and Anakin, and then also over at um, Kanan, the last Padawan, I really like reading the Jedi comic books. Like I like seeing them like feet on the ground, like doing Jedi things. Uh, no, this book was a lot of fun. Um, not just, I wouldn't say a lot of fun. This book is what you kind of want in these Jedi books that the Star Wars proper books aren't giving you because they're following Luke, who's the last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are giving you that thing of like these peacekeepers that are trying to do what they're supposed to do. While and, they can't. Yeah. And like, well, no, we're not going to call for help. We got called for help, and let's see what we can do because yeah. everything will work out. Because force. <laughs> because the force. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> no, no, it's 
It's what Obi Wan just said in this book. It's what he said. Um, uh, you what, have. Oh, go ahead, Chris. No, I was gonna say what I actually like about this book, and it'll probably lead into what you're saying, is you get some character from your characters. Mm-hmm. Like you get to see who Anakin winds up becoming in like episode two and episode three. You get Obi Wan being more of the. Uh, like the master, like you get him in those teaching modes. It's not just them like back to back fighting droids. Uh, and it's nice because it kind of it flips between you know past and uh-huh. present in this book, but it also gives you these moments where you see Anakin emotionally react, mm-hmm. and that's nice because I mean with. Christian Hadison's acting, you don't understand, he doesn't understand emotion. So, with this, you kind of... I killed them! Slaughtered them like animals. I killed them. Give me a kiss. Like... It's so backwards. I feel feel like he went from Anakin to Ash. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're not the same. Um, But, no, you have these moments where you have... Anakin emotionally react and then get called on it and then say like oh I'm sorry yes I need to control my emotions I'm Mm. sorry but I think that character of Anakin like what you're given with this and what you know of him from those movies is the he's a raw nerve like he Mm. is someone who his emotions are never in check he just press the right button and he will explode and you know and I think that's one of the things that the Chancellor sees and he yeah. plays off of to get him there uh-huh. were that was that accurately displayed in the movies i don't think so but i think in this and in your knowledge of what's supposed to be mm-hmm. you can fill in those blanks and this does a great job of giving you that yeah yeah you know to help you fill in those blanks well and that's what happens when you have a writer who can actually handle characterization like charles soul writing your characters that are recognizable, but actually having depth at that point. Man, why doesn't Mace Windu call out the Emperor right <laughs> on his shit? Because the the Emperor in this book comes out so slimy, <laughs> so does. manipulative. You're like, dude, don't doesn't everybody know he's evil? But they like, do, like they they show like in these breakdowns, like. They're having the conversation. Mace is looking at him like, and Mace, dude, you're evil, right? Mace, like, <laughs> Mace, Mace Windu's like, uh, no, we got it. And then he's like, well, I trump you, so do it. And you have that, they they draw yeah. that that panel of him being like, no. Yeah, he's just like, fine. Uh, Whatever you say, because I have to bow to your whim. I'm doesn't, But the next scene, right, with Mace... Doesn't he go walking down the a little bit down the corridor and Yoda's there and like Yoda, what up with this emperor? He a bad dude. But also like to me like that moment like that that interaction you have with the Chancellor. We should and, start watching him now before any kind of Clone Wars or anything crazy pops up. That that <laughs> moment with the Chancellor and and Mace Windu uh-huh. leads to that moment of Windu. 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 Fighting fighting him yeah. in um, yeah. Revenge of the Sith. Like, this is a moment that Charles Soule knows needs to happen, and he's giving it to us. It's giving it to us right. to make what happened in that movie right, to understand uh-huh. why. 
And I think that's one of the great things about this book is he's watched those movies. He knows what's wrong with them and what you were supposed to get, and he's giving it to you in this book. Okay. And that's just from reading issue one and a little bit of issue two. <laughs> and most of issue number two. And some scars. Scars. They show the guy from they show the new, guy from new, the mil- uh, new uh, what's his name? Oh, new nine numb nine numb. They show that guy with like a scar over his eye, and then like t- like a page later, they show uh, what's his name uh, from episode one that's horrible. Jar Jar Binks. They show one of his kind with us like three scars on his face. Well. And it's just like his kind, John. The the Gungans. At that point, they're on um, Coruscant, and everybody has scars. Oh, well, this as Coruscant, like the story is like it's like an entire city planet, but as it's built in layers, and as you go down through the layers, everyone has scars. And that's what they were going to be doing. That Star Wars, like what was it, thirteen, thirteen, or whatever Mm -hmm. the game is. Which like it was, was going to take place in kind of one, like these seedy underbellies, but it was well, also yes, going to be the have scars. It was also going to be the origin story for Boba Fett. No, we already saw that. It was called "His Dad Died." Yeah, but this was going to be his rise to. No, no, his his, his origin story is my dad got his head cut off. Now I'm a badass. No, Oy. it was going to be thirteen thirteen. I mean, it was going to be his rise Oy, through Boba the ranks. Fett. Oh, I'm Jango Fett. Let's go kill a dengue. <laughs> now so, I'm gonna redub me all through the other movies to make me Australian. Uh, I, I really dig this book. Um, it's basically everything that I didn't like in Episode One, but done right. Okay. If that makes any kind of sense, because it's the Jedi doing Jedi things, but a lot of talk from stuff going on at the Senate. It. It works in comic book form when you have someone that's actually able to handle it. And Wait, Chris, say, is, is somebody stealing your car? Someone's hit their panic button or something down the street. I'm surprised you guys could hear that. <laughs> um, but the art by Marco Cicchetto is awesome. And he was on one of the other Star Wars books that we read, too. I don't remember if it was like Lando or something. Let it might see. have been Lando. Bring it up. Uh, no, the art is awesome, and especially with those... Dirigible? Oh, dirigible. <laughs> the dirigible battle, like, everything looks looks awesome. Uh, it was the Star Wars Shattered Empire book. Oh, okay. It was on that one, too. Wasn't that Charles Soule as well? Yeah. Wasn't that one Greg Rucka? Mark Wade? <laughs> are, are we still seeing favorite uh, writers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just saying favorite uh, writers man, now. Uh, we need to Greg look Rucka. for those. Our, our, our Marvel uh, uh, <laughs> greatest stories. We should look for those three writers. Yeah, those are our favorites. It's... Yeah, Shattered Empire is written by Greg Rucka. Oh, okay. That's why we like that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like like I said, man, I can't remember if it was the uh, Look Forward or whatever it was, but uh, the Star Wars books, they're just they're all around great. Yeah, it was the Look Back. Or no, it was uh, Super Bowl too. Super Bowl, yeah, you Super reminded Ball. me that the Star Wars books are awesome and Marvel should win. Uh, yeah, there's the licensing. That's what it was. Yeah, this no, this book is is really great. If you're a fan of Star Wars and you mustered your way through the prequel trilogy, this gives it kind of a new light and capitalizes on 
the themes and what happened in those books and does a really great job of it. Hmm. All right, so power rankings. Ready? Well, I'm not ready for that. Hold on. Let me uh, go ready, John? Uh, I'm going to go number one, Obi-Wan. Uh, number two, Titans Hunt. Number three, Power Rangers. And number four, A-Force. Oh, you suck. I'm going to go almost the opposite. I'm going to go number one, A-Force, number two, Obi-Wan, number three, Power Rangers, number four, uh, no, number three, uh, Titans Hunt, number four, Power Rangers. Uh, did I forget a book? No. Okay. It was just I'm, I'm, I'm well, go... you, yes, you did. Which book did I forget? Oh, Daredevil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Daredevil was great. I, I look forward to reading it because I forgot you had it. Uh, my number one, uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin. Number two, A-Force. Number three, Titans Hunt. Number four, Power Rangers. I think Air Force, A-Force was good, but it didn't I, It didn't hold me as much as the other ones. Right. I, I, I loved A-Force, but I kind of did my number one and number two based off of, like, if I could only buy one of these books, which would it be? And it would be Obi-Wan and Anakin just... Because I could read those A Force characters and other stuff, you know. Makes sense. All right, and if you think we belong on your power rankings for podcasts, please rate us and review us over at iTunes. Uh, it helps other people find this podcast. So if you are enjoying it, don't just keep it to yourself. Spread it like you would a venereal disease. <laughs> And yes. it was Valentine's Day, or VD Day, as John likes to call it. I always <laughs> like to reference VD with Valentine's Day. Yeah, so let, let people know that you're listening. Like, if you're driving somewhere, make them listen to the show. Yeah, pull them over. Just pull them over. Pull somebody <laughs> over, make them download it, listen to it, and then leave them. They got Bluetooth, they can listen to it. And like, then while you're it's doing like kidnapping. That, uh, <laughs> make sure you uh, check out Producer Scott's show we talked about a little bit. Like off the air, but uh, Western New York Bruce. It's worth noting. Uh, yeah, WNY Bruce. Uh, listen to me over at Parks and Rec every week. And John, you're on a new podcast too. Uh, yeah, I'm helping out a friend with his podcast, um, co hosting Horror Massacre Movies. Movie. Yeah, Horror Movie Massacre. Movie Massacre. Yeah, Horror <laughs> Movie Massacre. Have Horror you guys uh, recorded any of those yet? Uh, uh, they're on their second episode, right? Yeah, and um, there's, I think, uh, I did another one with them a little bit ago, so there should be four coming out. Whoa! Are they on the iTunes? They're not on iTunes yet, but uh, they're over on um, SoundCloud and Whoa. on the website, which is horrormoviemassacre.net. Dot .net. Ooh, snagged those. That's good. Great uh, .net. This. Does Maddie have a Facebook for it? Because we can share that stuff over there is on the a, There is a Facebook, yes. So we'll make sure we get that on our Facebook page. And if you're interested in that Facebook link, you got to like us over on Facebook. We haven't had a new like in a while, so appreciate it. Bagged and board. Bagged and board. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>